it's been kind of nonstop. I went from LA to Virginia to DC to Lithuania, back to LA, and then back to Paris in like the last three and a half weeks. I'm trying to figure out like which way's up or which way's down right now. Welcome to Find Your Freedom, the best entrepreneurship podcast. One of our core beliefs is to never stop learning. And one of the best ways to learn is to have real conversations with incredible entrepreneurs who have done amazing things. In an effort to grow the FYF community, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe on your favorite audio platform, watch episodes on YouTube, and share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Our goal is to build a community uniting successful entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs and providing a one-stop shop for all the resources you need to find your own freedom. All right, just finished recording with Eric Chang, the founder and principal of international disputes firm Chang Law. Eric joined us from Paris and was really candid discussing the struggles of how and when to venture out on his own, along with battling imposter syndrome and the mistakes that he made along the way. It was a super interesting conversation about entrepreneurship, the psychology of starting a business, building an international law practice, and Eric finding his freedom with free time. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome, Eric. We are so excited to have you on today. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate you being here. Eric, we're so stoked to have you, my man. Welcome to the Find Your Freedom podcast. I think this is a cool place to start. Uh, What milestone or achievement are you most proud of so far in your career? Yeah, you know, I I think that... um, a big, big thing for me uh, has been able to is, is my ability to um, control my time, to have to determine my own time, uh, and you know, uh, being able to, to to master my own schedule. And you know, you know, I come from a big law background, so working at really big law firms where you're working for somebody else, you're on their schedule, you've got these billable requirements, and um, you know. I did that for a decade and always kind of feeling like I wasn't in control of my, my own schedule and my own life time-wise um, thinking about when I could take vacations and you know, things like that. And I think one of the big, big things that uh, I've gained uh, being out on my own is um, controlling my time. I get a full eight to nine. I need like nine hours of sleep. Ideally. <laughs> and big most sleeper. days, yeah, most days I, I get it and like everything downstream like just is so much better during the day because like I'm rested because I don't, you know, if I need the extra half hour, hour of sleep, I can do that and it's okay. The emails will wait. Nobody's going to, you know, I don't have to, you know, be on somebody else's schedule. And then in a wider sense, um, having more time to myself or being able to schedule my time uh, the way I want uh, has allowed me to um kind of achieve this uh, this uh long time objective of mine was just to join um uh, the army as a reservist and i joined the army uh, jag corps uh being a lawyer for the army which is a part-time job which is now really reduced my available time but it's something i want to do and i never could have done it uh you know while i was uh you know working for somebody else working at a big law firm this was only something that that was conceivable once I was out on my own. So that's huge, man. That is a massive, massive achievement. Yeah, it's it just makes yeah, it's it's um it's it's my quality of life has improved a ton, and I think that that's a like an achievement that I'm I'm very very happy with. Going back now, Erica, when, when did you know you wanted to be an attorney? 
Uh, yeah, you know, pretty early on. Uh, but like most lawyers, you know, uh, people who were you know, kind of people who do okay in school, but really don't know what we what else to do. And we kind of fall into it. It's like, wow, oh, okay, I'm done with my undergrad. Might as well go to law school now. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was my, my immigrant parents kind of pushing me to get like a professional degree. So there wasn't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I fell into it um, with any sort of huge passion, um, the way somebody might, you know, I don't know, want to get into you know, public service or whatever. But I think it's something that I've grown to uh, really appreciate and love. And, and obviously, it's something that um, yeah, I think I'm good at. And, and that's allowed me to, you know, um, carve out a, a, a successful career and, and give me the freedom to do other stuff. So you kind of fell into it, but fortunately for you, you ended up falling in love with it. So I guess uh, I guess that kind of worked out fortuitously. Yeah, I think so. I think, and that's probably true of a lot of folks. I mean, uh, you know, so much of our careers are sort of these completely happenstance accidents. You know what I mean? You 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 know, your career takes a left turn here and a right turn there, and um, but I think for most people. They kind of fall into whatever jobs or careers that they do, but uh, um, you know, a lot of them can be very satisfied with with it, even though it wasn't terribly planned out, right? Right. So, you, so you, yeah, that's so you became an attorney, and then uh, at what point did you, you know, in that early part of your career, did you have aspirations to start your own firm? Was that something going in when you decided to be an attorney? You're like, I'm going to do X years working for someone else until I feel comfortable and confident going out on my own, opening my own firm? Or did that come later where you thought about doing that? Yeah. No. Yeah. I did not go in thinking I was going to do this at all. Again, like, you know, life kind of takes these weird, um, you know, throws you these curveballs. Um, I, I went into big law um, and by big law, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, just a term that means working for these big international law firms um, uh, usually based in big, big cities like New York or, or Washington, DC or Paris or London. But, um, you know, I wanted to go into big law. That was a big goal of mine. Um, and I thought that I wanted to, you know, go in and get, become partner there. That's the brass ring they kind of hold out at you. Um, but I left in 2012. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, I really burned out of it. Um, I must say, uh, you know, in 2010, I, I, um, ended up collapsing at an airport just from exhaustion. I just, you know, wow. had been working so hard and I was just like, all right, I am, I am done with that. It took me another two years. And then after I left, um, I, I left New York and um, for just a few months, I was at a, a small um, San Francisco shop doing the same thing. And, you know, the idea was build the practice, you know, my, my practice, which is um, international disputes, build it for the firm. And it didn't really work out. We really kind of didn't see eye to eye on on um, on goals and objectives. And um, you know, at the time, I was like, "Oh man, uh, you know, for for uh, a split second, I thought, man, that's that's you know, I felt really bummed out." But it made me realize it was the best thing that could happen could have happened to me because it made me realize that there was no reason I could not do the exact same thing on my own. I didn't need. I love that a firm to to do that and it was kind of like this this um uh realization and uh and so it was really the best thing that could have ever happened to me um and 
went out on my own and and now it's you know a decade plus later so it only it only took you two years to listen to your body and uh, <laughs> what your body was telling you like dude you're clocking too many hours here for someone else you know for some other large firm you're you know they're yeah. expecting these huge hours billable hours and uh yeah and that can take its toll i have a, a few attorney friends that have like you know similar like you know, sometimes it's just a lot to have on your plate. Yeah. So when you, so when you um, had the exit from the other firm, uh, did you have plans to have immediately go out on your own from there? And you started formulating your business plan at that point? No, I, um, there was a, you know, I definitely had a moment of sort of, okay, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> and uh, right. Um, it, it wasn't immediately clear to me. That. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't immediately clear to me like, oh, okay, I should, you know, I should set set something up on my own. Um, and even when I s did sort of come to the conclusion, hey, I can, I can do this. Let me, let me give it a shot. I hedged. Um, I was, you know, still applying to other jobs, kind of looking around, networking, even as I set this thing up. So I, I don't think I went in whole hog. I know a lot of people just have this, this vision and this passionate sort of you know plan and they just go in whole hog thousand percent in and that was not the case for me um i was very much sort of you know hedging and and uh, not entirely certain um but it sort of little bit you know bit by bit little by little as i started you know moving forward then i got my first client and and so on and so forth i you realize like, Hey, yeah, this thing has legs. I think I can make this work. And, uh, you know, I stopped thinking about, okay, what else might be out there? Do I need a plan B or like, you know, something. So Eric, you, you leased the space, opened the doors, started the company, formed the entity. And meanwhile, you're still sending resumes out to other firms thinking, yeah, you know, maybe I'll still get another job. Yeah. That's my recollection. Um, and I, you know, when I started this, I like a lot of, you know, it's a, I considered it a startup, you know, I, it may be a law practice, which is not very, uh, you know, super sexy or innovative or whatever, but it's, you know, it's, it's a startup, right. It's a, it's a startup. And I went in with a startup mentality, which was, you know, um, do it, uh, on the absolute lowest cost pos basis possible. Um, so it was, it was set up a website, um, you know, I looked into uh, being a lawyer, you know, so I could look into what are the different incorporation types. Um, for me, it made right. most sense to, to proceed as a sole prop because, um, as, as lawyers, we're always, um, we're always personally liable. <laughs> we can't, you can't escape right. it with a corporate veil. So, you know, you might as well go with the, uh, with the cheapest, uh, option, which is a sole prop, which is, you know, just on your own. Um, so I did it, you know, on the absolute sort of lowest cost. Yeah, I think I you know, you kind of say it like most people go into it super intentionally, but I think it's actually like really a pretty um pretty even setup. A, a lot of people um I think have this expectation that entrepreneurs are so intentional and go in like I know exactly what I'm going to do and I'm going to just going to make it happen. I think it actually is very common to kind of the way that you did it. It's like I think I can do that. But, you know, let me kind of hedge a little bit here and make sure that I you know, still have some other things going. So I'm not like, you know, bringing in no income for extended periods of time. And uh, and you kind of set it up. It sounds like so the market told you like, 
you started getting some of your own clients and they started sharing it with other people and it kind of slowly built up where you're like, you know what, I do have something here. At what point did that shift for you? Like a year down the line, once you had set it up that you were like, all right, we're getting some runway here. I'm about to take off. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say uh, there were kind of two very specific time frames for me. One was about a, a year, maybe a year and a half in, um, you know, pulled in my first client. Um, it was a very sort of bizarre uh, case. And um, uh, the, the client had worked with another lawyer, wasn't happy with them. And I kind of inherited this, this, uh, this case at the very um, two months before the hearings, you know, for this massive, you know, pretty big case. And I had to like rework it wow. and just get ready for it. And it was just a very intense kind of thing. And, and this is your first client, right, Eric? Um, not the first, first client, but the first like serious client, let's okay. say. First, uh, first and so it was a, yeah, for a significant case, for a significant client, um, where where there was you know a, a prospect of you know serious fees coming in or serious revenue coming in, and uh, the, the way we worked it out was it was a full contingency, um, which is basically I you know do the work for free, and if if I win, I take a, a you know a, a percentage of uh, the um, you know the, the recovery, but if it, nothing happens, then, you know, I don't get paid. And um, I decided to do that because I, you know, we were close to the hearings and I could kind of understand the, the, the risk and the uncertainty of a case kind of start to get less and less as you get closer to the hearing and, and sort of the, everything sort of crystallizes and you kind of see, you know, how strong of a case it is or not. And I felt comfortable enough. And, you know, the, having had a, that big law experience, you kind of learn how to call the strikes and the fouls, right? You know, which ones are good and which ones are stinkers. So I decided to take that risk. You knew the risk reward you were getting into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I did it. It, it, it paid out. So that the first paycheck was a big moment. So that was like one of those big moments, but I still felt like it was kind of a one-off, you know, I don't know if this is going to, you know, continue on. And I think it was maybe into year three that, I just had this sort of moment and it wasn't anything specific, um, but I was working. I had, a, I had cases and ongoing cases and I was plenty busy and I just had this sort of realization like, you know, I feel like, hey, I, this is happening. It's, it's, it's got legs. Um, like you said, I've got some runway and um, I think this is going to, it's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to work out. And it was, again, it wasn't anything specific that made me feel that way. It was just sort of a, I woke up one day and it kind of dawned on me and I was like, and you know, it's like, oh yeah. That's that magic moment that we talk about on on the show here. You know, and it's funny, one of the things you said, Eric, uh, that I found kind of interesting is um, you know, you get that first deal and it gives you like a shot in the arm and you're like, okay, I, I can kind of do this, but at the same time, you're also still very unsure. It doesn't that first deal doesn't give you the oh yeah, like I'm, I'm, I got staying power. I'm going to be here forever. Like my business is dominating. It just gives you just enough to kind of keep going. So it's funny, like when you're looking back and you're remembering that, like it's a good feeling and a good moment, but then like, you're like, "Uh Oh, is that, is that a one-off? Is that a fluke? And, um, and then it's funny that not until two years in business, did you finally feel like, okay, yeah, this, I do have staying power and legitimacy and I can now, 
yeah, the, the carrot comes a little closer and you're like, oh, it's not like as far away as I thought. Like I can keep walking. I'm with the carrot still in front of me. You know, that's really, really important. Yeah, it's a very weird thing. It's like an imposter syndrome, even as you're feeling good, right? You're like, yes. you're like, this is awesome. Yes. But at the same time, it, it, that same thing is like, man, I feel like an imposter. Is this like real, right? Like, I feel like an imposter. But, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, have like two a- sides of it. Like you wake up one morning, you're like, this is going, I got this. I know I can make this happen. And then the next morning you wake up like, what did I do? <laughs> and you start questioning yourself and you're like, I'm, you know, I'm not that good. Yeah, that imposter syndrome, I think is something that every entrepreneur battles with and, yeah. and something I, you know, still battle with, you know, I still have it. Yeah. I, every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so looking back at that 20 year old or 20, mid 20 something self, it sounds like a period. What is something you would tell that person to help with that process as you were building Chang Law? Yeah. Uh, so much, so many things. Um, I think one of the things I would say is, you know, in my twenties, uh, and this is actually something. It's interesting because I see this now. So I, I joined the, the you know Army JAG Corps, um, and I'm a relatively junior officer for my age. So I'm like ten years, about ten years older than most of my cohort. And it's an interesting insight because um, uh, I, I feel like I've, I'm coming in with a lot of life experience in certain ways, um, and I see this happening with some of the younger. Um, the younger officers, um, they're doing the same thing that, that I did when I was in my twenties, my mid twenties or whatever. And I, I guess I would say, you know, they're, they're at a stage where they're just, um, they're chopping the wood in front of them, right? They're just like, you know, yeah, give me more, give me more, give me more. And they're just chopping the wood. And, um, if I had to give some advice to my 20 something year old self, I would say, you know, it's not enough to be technically competent or to to you know to have to be the the you know the the workhorse um that's kind of actually the it's sad to say but that's the floor right you have to be technically competent and you have to be you have to have work ethic but you have to also um uh get out of the office network and you know you you have to understand like the human landscape of your uh, office, your practice area or your industry, right? It's uh, and you have to f- go out and seek out your mentors. Um, you have to just understand there's a human component. There's like an EQ component of, of business. Cause at the end of the day, um, you know, every job is a human endeavor and you work with other people. And, you know, I, I just remember kind of being a young associate and thinking like, you know, as long as I stay in my little office I'm churning away and billing those hours and I'm good at what my, what I do and I'm cranking out good work product. That's good, you know, and it's not, you know, you need to, <laughs> there were things like, you know, you need to, I needed to learn how to um, spread my work so that I was working with different partners so that I had different people championing me, right. Rather than just one partner, right. That's like a social human thing that you have to learn um, right. and that you just, you're not going to do if you're just like, ensconced in your little office just kind of beavering away and so uh you know that's something you learn and you sure learn that really fast if you're going out on your own right because there's nobody else to do it you got to hit the pavement you got to meet the people you got to get your name out um so on and so forth so that's probably the number one thing that i've learned and you know some you just have to learn it the hard way sometimes but um yeah if i right 
had to give myself that advice. Um, that's that is the advice I would give to my 25 year old self. That's such a huge point. I mean, we've talked about here, uh, Eric, that uh, you know it's it's what you do during your nine to five is important, but what you do after you get off at five or six or whatever time is is possibly more important. Because, like you said, you got to be out networking outside of your office. You got to be studying up, researching, learning outside the office after you get off at night and finding the time to do that on nights and weekends to really get ahead and set yourself apart. But then also what I liked about what you said too is creating the reputation inside the office as well during the eight to five or nine to five and having not only your direct um, superior or direct report, um, knowing how good you are, the other leaders in the company also need to know how good Eric Chang is and, um, you know, when they're talking about, you know, who's getting promoted or who's going to get the opportunities, they all know about, you know, all the accomplishments and the things that special things that you're doing. Yeah. People talk a lot these days. I mean, they, it wasn't called that when I was kind of a, a young associate, but now people talk about their personal brand, right? Which I think is, it's a little bit cliched, but it's true, right? You have a brand, you have a, you have a reputation, right? That's the other reputation, way to put it. Absolutely. It's your professional reputation. It's, it, it. Yes, it gets developed in part by being the hard worker and by being technically proficient or competent, but it's also getting out and talking to people and being sociable and uh, and you know making sure people understand like what it is that you bring to the table because people don't you know nobody's nobody has the time to go out and figure that out right you have to tell them uh, so you got to go to those conferences you got to go you know you got to uh, uh, put in the FaceTime talk to people about what yeah, yeah. you got to put in the FaceTime for sure yeah yeah I totally agree there's a there's a lot of people in our audience that I think what you said a little earlier that's going to resonate with them that they're not fully fulfilled in their job and they're thinking like how am I gonna you know get to the other side of this I don't want my life in five years to be like it is right now grinding not you know mm -hmm. not fully loving what I'm doing not fully fulfilled in what I'm doing um can you kind of talk to them about how you worked that out um you gave us a little a detail about kind of the timeline of it, but um, psychologically now and, you know, like talking to yourself or to the, the, the people in our audience that are in that position, can you give them some advice on what, what self-talk, what things they should be working on and then what actionable things that you would recommend them do to help when, you know, now that you've gone through it? Yeah. You know, once I kind of figured out like, okay, um, I want to, all right, let's give this a go. Um, and, you know, what do I need to do? Um, to get there, you, you, you kind of, me personally, I set myself an objective. Um, I actually, I wrote out a business plan. Right? So I mean, not, I don't think everybody has to do that. Uh, to me, it kind of helps me to crystallize my own thinking. Um, I'm, I'm a lawyer. So we, 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 we argue and we write, right. And especially <laughs> we write a lot. And sometimes I feel like I don't, I can only think if I'm writing it out. So for me, a business plan was like, okay, here's where I want to be in five years. And I kind of give myself whatever, you know, it could be five, it could be four, whatever. But for me, it was five years. And I said, okay, by five years, I want to be doing, you know, this, right. I want to, I want to have a uh, relatively steady stream of clients. I want to be uh, having a revenue of, you know, I want to be at doing at least as well as I did. Yeah, set the goals. Okay. Yeah. In my last year as an associate working in a big law firm and I, uh, you know, that's the sort of end state, right? And then kind of work backwards. And uh, then I just, I, I tend to get 
overwhelmed very easily. Uh, I'm just one of those people where like, I look at a task and like, ah, you know, and then I, and then I procrastinate. That's just, I know myself. I'm like, I'm 46 now. And I just know that's how I operate. So, so you're I like have 95% very... of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have to be like very intentional about creating, um, um, very bite-sized finite actionable steps objectives like yeah just I like that 20 yeah in the army we call them 25 meter targets right like you have 20 you can shoot at 25 meters or you can shoot at uh 300 right but start with a 25 meter target start with the easy stuff right and then just kind of you know do one thing get some progress get knock some it momentum. out move on to the next thing knock it out yeah and and just look at what's in front of you um while sort of in the back of your mind keeping this larger objective and you kind of do Again, it's a it's a army lingo, but you do an azimuth check every now and then. Like, hey, am I in? You know, I've been kind of looking in front of me doing this for a while now. Now I check around. Like, am I still generally in the right direction? Yeah. Okay. Back to back to do, <laughs> you know back to doing the grind. Um, I love that. And, and I just I find I need like little you know. Okay, so for me it was like first things first. I need to set up a website, right? Um, I need to look into then incorporation or you know how do i set myself up um as a as a business um All the then i need yeah just the the sort of nuts and bolts of setting up a business and those are like the you need to get those done before you um you need to have like a very very basic structure in place before you kind of go out into the world right get some business cards right that's easy stuff right and you know it's a nice achievable thing you know boom got the easy the business cards i designed it cool it's a good feeling. I, I got a little thing done today or this week, boom, check and move on. And then, you know, the harder stuff. Okay. Now I need to think about how do I, what are the, you know, what are the 10 things I need to do to, to try to start pulling in um, clients and then, you know, just kind of working on them like that. And uh, otherwise, if I look at the big goal, it's like, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, it's just too overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, to think it's realistic unless you break it up into those bite size uh, 25 uh, meter things that you spoke about. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really great. Was there one big mistake, uh, kind of a, two, a two-part question, you can answer whichever uh, is easier for you. Was there a biggest mistake that you made that you want to like tell our audience about that landmine that they shouldn't do? Or was there um, a piece of it that you're like, this is really integral that helped really make this step to my own law firm being a success? Um, which which uh, which of those is here? Yeah, I'm, I guess I can answer both of them. Um, and at the very beginning, I think I it was almost like a psychological thing where um, you know I was setting myself up, but I didn't tell a lot of folks about it, and I kind of kept it all to my own because there's a psychological, almost like I wanted it to be successful before I could tell the world like, Hey, I'm out on my own. And I think that was, uh, you know, for very obvious reasons for just plain marketing reasons, that's kind of dumb, (laughs) but, but, um, but also I feel, no, I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like, you know, I just kind of felt like, well, you know, I'm giving this a go, but, uh, I just, you know, I, I don't want people to know until like, maybe I have a client. Right. Or maybe I have a, you know, I've had this much revenue coming in the door. Um, Then I'll be able to kind of start handing out cards and saying, (laughs) yeah, you know, I'm the successful, um, you know, practitioner on my own, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah. And, but I think the, 
problem with that, another problem with that, other than sort of the, the marketing piece of it is that, you know, I was doing everything on my own and um, I was um, reinventing the wheel on my own. And it wasn't until probably, I want to say about nine months in maybe, um, I just, you know, started talking to people. Uh, and then I started specifically talking to other folks who were roughly doing the same thing I was, uh, maybe a little bit further along, maybe not further along. And then, you know, we just started sharing notes. And then I talked to folks who were, um, you know, some mentors of mine who actually, you know, were senior partners at boutiques that, you know, 30 to 50 lawyers, that's like huge, right? I mean, that's right. really big. I used to think like, oh, 50 lawyers, is like a tiny, tiny firm, you know, coming from a big law shop, but being doing it on my own, I understand like what it actually takes to grow a, a business to that size. It's very, very impressive. Um, you know, I started talking to, um, to folks who had done that and kind of asking them, Hey, you know, go back That's so good. 20, 30 years. What, what was it, what was it like? And once I, you know, once you talk, you realize that in a way, starting a business is the most banal thing in the world ever, right? Because everybody has done it before. So many people have done it before. So many people have like walked the exact same steps and had the same problems. And you can shortcut so many headaches by just talking to them and say like, what was it like for you? How did you solve this problem? You know, walk me through it. Or maybe they haven't, but they've got the experience to have a good, you know, uh, head on their shoulders to be able to say like, you know, if I were you, I would do X, Y, or Z. And, um, and so the first, whatever, nine months where I wasn't really talking to anybody, I think well, that was a mistake. I should have, I should have started talking to people, um, around me much, much sooner. Where did you gain access? Where and how did you gain access to those mentors that were, uh, ahead of where you were, or where you wanted to be? Yeah. You know, I, I think again, it's, it, it goes to what I was saying earlier. You gotta, you gotta seek them out because mentors, you will be lucky in your life if one or two people just kind of like latch onto you and just pick you up by your, you know, you know, collar you and help you up because they, they identify like, Hey, here's somebody who could, who reminds me of me and I'll pull them up. But most people don't do that. Like mentorship is something you have to seek out and, and getting advice is something you have to seek out. So it doesn't do any good sort of like staying in by yourself and not talking to folks. You really need to go out then I find, you know, you, you know, I've found that people love to be mentors. People love to help people. Um, I love now, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older now and I talk to young lawyers all the time, you know, stu law students or, or young practitioners. And I, I love helping them out, um, you know, kind of paying it forward. It's a, it makes me feel good. And I feel like I've got a lot of knowledge and experience that's just, you know, it's all in here and I can kind of freely dispense it. And um, uh, I love doing that. I think people enjoy being helpful i think that was a there was a you know uh ben franklin quote where he says you know if uh if somebody if if somebody uh nobody somebody owes you a favor they actually feel you know if or rather if you owe them a favor they feel more beholden to you it's kind of like the same idea where when you're asking something for somebody they actually feel really obliged to help out and um, i have found that you know I, I, pe most people are like that. They're very sort of generous with their time and advice. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I think a big piece of that goes back to something else that you said earlier also, which is if you have a reputation as a hard worker, 
and a smart person with integrity, then the people around you who have seen or heard of you, they're much more apt to be responsive to when you do come to them for the advice and the things like that. So that comes back to how, you know, how great you were in those big law firms previously, grinding, working hard, kind of putting a name for yourself then I'm sure some people notice that. And then when you do move, you know, move on and grow and you're yeah. looking for the advice and they're much more apt to help you out there. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. For sure. That's a, I just think that the, the interesting piece of, um, of psychology that you touched on initially in your, in your, in your um, explanation there is, you know, when you first start out your company, you would think that you'd want to tell the world and, and share your excitement market network, but there's a there's a little there's a fear of failure uh, thing that's going on in your in your mind like you know if I tell everyone and then it doesn't work out I'm going to be embarrassed and you know I think there's a lot of that going on in most young entrepreneurs minds but if you can identify that and like Eric said instead of it taking you 9 months maybe just come into it with that mindset that you know every there's been so many businesses that have been started before mine so many people that have walked this path before me and I'm not going to be afraid, uh, even though there's 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 so many pitfalls along the way. I'm going to share this, and I'm going to get other people excited with me. Look for the mentors, and try to accelerate my my growth that way. Yeah, totally. And I think one of the I, I have to say that one of the things that's really you know coming out of the 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 tech startup culture you know in the last whatever thirty thirty years or so that's been really good is that um, in that world. Um, it's not a, it's not, um, a black mark to have failed, to have tried and failed, right? It's like, uh, it's the old poem about the man in the arena, right? And, and a lot of folks in that world, um, they do a startup, it doesn't work, but that's actually on their resume for the next big thing because it's experience at the end of the day, right? Eric, we like to ask all of our guests, uh, this very special question that kind of, goes along with the the vision and mission of find your freedom which is how would you define entrepreneurship yeah that's a that's a really tough question that to answer but i think it's for me it's it's a um it's an attitude or a feeling more than it is you know like a concrete you know here's what i do to you know to to do this or to be this um i, I think it's really some sort of a, a an attitude which is somewhere in between faking it until you make it and then just being comfortable with risk and ambiguity um you know moving from the position of being you know looking at the pool and like wanting to jump in to just jumping in and then realizing yeah the water's fine you know the the, the temperature's fine the water's that. fine it's it's going to be okay and it's really sort of being comfortable with, with being uncomfortable, really, um, you know, entrepreneurship is really kind of like a, a mindset and an attitude more than it is like a concrete, like here is what I do, or here's what I am. Um, it's, and for me, it's been, you know, a lot of it has been this, uh, this journey of, of waking up and, you know, you, you never know where your next paycheck is coming from. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you just have to learn how to be okay with that, um, because on the flip side, it's also um, you. A lot of really great things could also be, you know, happening to you. Um, so it's just an attitude of uh, of uh, you know being positive and 
accepting that risk and accepting that ambiguity because the rewards can be um, very enriching. Love that so much. Becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. That was a uh, that was a, the 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 cherry on top there. I love that. So um, this was a great episode, Eric. We're so happy to to welcome a, an attorney and a successful international attorney onto the show. This has been so great. Uh, you've had a very interesting path and a very interesting life. Um, if people want to learn more or reach out to you, where should we send them? Yeah, the easiest thing is to look me up on LinkedIn. Um, you just look up uh, Eric Chang on LinkedIn or Chang Arbitration. You should be able to find me. and uh, Or you can just uh, get on my website, changarbitration.com. All right. That sounds good. Well, thank you so much again, Eric. We appreciated the time. And uh, Eric's coming to us from Paris, France here. And thank you so much. Uh, have a good one and look forward to uh, meeting with you again. Yeah, Doug, Jonathan, thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. All right, take care. One of our core beliefs is to never stop learning. And one of the best ways to learn is to have real conversations with incredible entrepreneurs who have done amazing things. In an effort to grow the FYF community, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe on your favorite audio platform, watch episodes on YouTube, and share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Our goal is to build a community uniting successful entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs and providing a one-stop shop for all the resources you need to find your own freedom.